0: This is exactly right.
1: Hello. Hi. And welcome, welcome to my favorite. A podcast that tells you it's just things fucking tons of random terrible things right without curse words that's right this is a this is an all christian podcast
2: (laughs) child Uh, friendly a child friendly religious based we've got fucking uh railroad or what are they called trains going by in the background ghost trains trains. we don't believe in evolution (laughs) uh everything you could want in a podcast uh Wow, that train's loud. Yeah. Do you know, I got into an Uber the other day and like there was this rock music playing, and I was like, okay, rock music, great. And then it was like the lyrics were like, oh, fuck, you're <laughs> trying to sell me hard on Jesus H. Christ. And you were like, hava nagila.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I've had that a couple times in Ubers where I feel like people are like, uh, they're trying to work. They're trying to make a dollar, but they're also like, well,
2: I could kill two birds with one stone and be spreading the word of our Lord. I wonder if there's like a cult of, you know, Jesus people who are like, this is how we're going to get people on is we're going to yeah Uber and play Pretty good rock music. Pretty good, passable. Yeah. It's so funny. I did Dave Holmes Friday
1: 40 last Friday. Love with it. Chris Fairbanks of Do You Need a Bride? And, um, he said, it's first, I can't remember how it came up, but he goes, have you ever had that thing where you, you
2: start to hear a song and you really like it and then
1: you realize it's Christian and then you realize you're like a hypocrite That's for not
2: liking kinda it? kind of what happened. Well, yeah. I don't want to hear about how he lifts you up and you raise your, your, <laughs> paw, your paws does, in the George air. Her. He lifts you. Like, dirty dancing style like patrick yes. swayze no one puts jesus in a corner <laughs> <laughs> boom and the, and the podcast boom goodbye Lights out <laughs> fuck all
1: y'all hey can i do can Please. i read this because <laughs> fine i've been exposed as being obsessed with bowling fine i don't care anymore <laughs>
2: why are we bowled yet
1: uh i know we've had at least two days um so someone sent us a picture of the bowling socks i was talking about last on the minisode the minisode minisode um exactly as i described three bowling pins a red bowling ball and what looks like puffs of air at the bottom do you think that's the speed of the ball hitting those because it's like it's like the it's almost like a bomb goes off on On your ankles Uh, yeah and they're um these ones Uh, It says, this is for Hard Stark. That's you, Georgia. Thank you. Oh, because this is Instagram. Okay. Stephen Ray Morris, my favorite murder. I believe I got the Mission Bowling Club. Is that in San Francisco? It is. Grey Wing. This is from Grey Wing on Instagram. San Francisco. Um, P.S. My grandmother is in the Bowling Hall of Fame. What? I'm so proud of your grandma. Who is She? We've please send us What's more information. Oh, yeah. Grey Wing, G-R-E-Y, W-I-N-G, San Francisco, California. If you could please send us a very concise book report, three <laughs> to five paragraphs about your grandmother. With
2: photographs from, from when she was playing bowling and as an elderly woman. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's both? Oh my god What if she started young And went all the way Into her Into modern day I want to know What she carried In her purse On a regular basis
1: Hall of fame though That's She's not just A great bowler She is of The greatest bowlers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know San Francisco I mean it's where it's, that's where my people are from yeah. That's why I'm so passionate about bowling it's, it's
2: not like they have a shortage of good bowlers So that means she was really fucking good That's right It's what everyone's like up there <laughs> It matters <laughs> uh, We're, we're going to go bowling soon Oh, today's Valentine's Day Oh yeah, happy Valentine's Day everybody Thank you Well, <laughs> yesterday was Valentine's Day Based on the when this podcast is going out Based on the reality you people live in right? Not the one Mm-mm. that we truly that w- are stuck in We're currently
1: drinking coffee and whiskey and that's right we're having such a valentine's day party mm. Mm. steven's drinking coffee out of a cat mug which is his lifelong dream right mm-hmm. i'm drinking a coffee out of an fbi mug mm-hmm. no sorry la county coroner mug mm-hmm. which is my dream mm-hmm. george is having some nice whiskey on ice out of a vintage fucking tumbler mug tumbler glass yeah it looks like something that would absolutely have been left on my grandmother's nightstand definitely And then in the background, there is a train that has not, there hasn't been a train that's come by here in 25 years.
2: We're living our lives. Um, I wanted to tell you Mm -hmm. that after a 20 year hiatus, I am again reading Stranger Beside Me. Oh really? Yeah.
1: What brought you back
2: to us, Zach Efron? <laughs> well, people want to hear. People want us to talk about that. We have talked about it. I know, but they want us... To, there's more photos now. Okay. And I and as now that I'm reading it and like in it, I see the photos and I'm like, I know when that was like supposed to have happened. And you know, when, when did Ted Bundy go through a weightlifting phase? That's the
1: question I have. Because <laughs> the first photo oh, I really? saw, really, you think he's too cut? He's insanely cut for, from what I. In my limited, as we all know, extremely
2: limited research, he Ted Bundy always seemed like kind of a skinny little professorial type. I think it's like a skinny, but like, what are the... You know, like a tennis player. Sinewy? Sinewy. He's a sinewy This is type? why you wanted Gary... Sinise? Sinise. <laughs> Maybe we just happen to... <laughs> Is it Sinise Or are you just saying that I cause think it sneeze. is There's someone you said He wanted to, to play him Before this whole Efron thing It was came not out. Gary Sinise <laughs> <Well. laughs> um. Who was it Yep. Steven. Come Steven on, Stephen What?
1: You can't put your hands up like you don't work here. You <laughs> son of a bitch. Steven. Stephen, you had one job you to have remember one job, Karen. Which is to memorize every word I say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's not Gary Sinise. No. It's <laughs> Gary Sinise. It's oh god, what's it's his someone, name? He it's looks, someone who looks like, like, like that. Ted Bundy. Who would you want to play? Let's let let's go let's start over. Who do you think should play Ted Bundy?
1: Not stro- Zach Efron. Let me stroke my minorly invisible beard. <laughs>
2: uh it's Ah, <sighs> uh, forget it. <laughs> Edit this out. No, this is no, the one Steven saying is, no. <laughs> this is
1: Steven's like you don't decide. He I looks decide.
2: like Bill Pullman.
1: Okay. I remember this and I remember when it hit me. I was like, I'm
2: a fucking casting genius. You were. And he's in the movie. Is it's he, not Chris Pine. Is he? No. Okay. Oh, love that. him. Is he in the movie with Jack Nicholson when Jack Nicholson is... Greg
1: Kinnear. Greg <laughs> There are people who have been screaming at their I podcast. I know. Machines this whole time. Gary and Greg. So <sighs> similar. You were right there with that G. I mean, with the four letter word <laughs> and the G. <laughs> Greg Kinnear is the, with dark hair, cause his eyes are little, he's good looking classically, but his eyes are just enough close together that you are suspicious of his Agenda, is this
2: train circling the apartment? I think the train is coming for us. Can you hear
1: it, Steven? Okay,
2: good. It's we're tied on the track right now. It's <laughs> we the nineteen twenties. We haven't paid our rent. <laughs> Steven is twirling his mustache as he watches us tied to the track. Oh, good. Buster Keaton's here. Oh, great. I, You know, I'm having... Now, of course, I'm having Ted Bundy nightmares. Okay. And because oh, you're in that book. And I keep saying, stop reading this, Georgia. Stop reading this, Georgia. And I can't put it down. It's so good. It's so good. And it's also so dated. And Anne Rule, like, she should never have died because she just needs to keep updating this book.
1: It's... Uh, the idea, like... When she tells that story, the idea that she was this single mother who was trying, who was working for the police department, but it was also trying to be a, a freelance writer. And she's like, what are the fucking chances? What are the chances? And she's, but she's also volunteering at night. Like what yeah. a, what a badass. And then she volunteers next to pretty much one, second only to like Ed Gein or Dahmer, like Not one of the I most. Think maybe Dahmer. Gacy.
2: But one of the like yeah no i think everyone i think ted bundy was relatable to everyone because he was hot yes he was so tricky he was the ultimate like wolf in sheep's clothing totally he was he's well, she didn't small. even believe that he could have done it for she so didn't many believe it
1: when it was like it's we've
2: found a man in a gold volkswagen bug she- Called the, f- her friends at the detective agency and was like, just look into my friend. I know this is weird. Yes. Like, she even turned him in. And she was like, I don't, it can't be. It can't be him, but could you look? Because she was
1: like, I can't deny these right. I- hum- uh, stacking up facts. Right. But still, it's not him. I
2: know it's not yeah. him. And I'll, yeah. Uh, That's the classic so- sociopath, like, or psychopath. <laughs> well, we, d- but we didn't know it. At the- well, we, I wasn't boring. <laughs> uh <laughs> they, you know, they didn't know it at the time, that that was a thing that, even though someone doesn't look like a fucking murderer... Or act like it. No one... Those people don't act like murderers. Yeah. Ugh. Well, now we know. what <sighs> Well, so, the movie is coming out of with Zach Efron. I hope he kills it. I'm looking forward to it. I think he will. I think he looks like him enough. And the other thing that she keeps talking about um, is that uh, he... Was like a shapeshifter that he looked different all the fucking time, which that's is true. why it was so hard to pin down is that he kind of always changed his look. That's
1: right. In fact, you can, if you look it up online, and I'm sure everyone that's most of the people listening have already seen this, but there is a collage of his mugshots and you can see how the way they couldn't, like when he yeah. went from Seattle to Utah. And it's
2: not even like a beard or not a beard. It's just this look in his face yeah. that's so different. And that's the spookiest part.
1: Yeah. And then by the time he gets to Florida, he's just a fucking maniac.
2: Good King for man. Zac Efron, man. What a fucking role. Yeah, I think what he a, can do it. Oh, what a dream. Fucking. Well, so there's this, there's this documentary. He just can't, can I just say this? Yeah. He can't.
1: I hope he knows. And if they're still shooting and he can hear me, mm-hmm. don't smile with your eyes. Because yeah. that's it. You gotta go dead zone. Totally. With those crazy eyes. Totally. Cause Zach Efron's a big like, he's like one of the reason he's like a Disney star is because he's one of those 12 year old boys that would wink at a grown woman. Ew. It's a,
2: it's a specific he's type a of beaver.
1: He's a, he's a Ryan, um, like
2: uh, Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this again. Oh my god, he's a Ryan. Let's do it some
1: more. The Who's one? the one everyone
2: loves? I don't like him. <laughs> Steven. Ryan Seacrest. No! <laughs> are you fucking kidding me, Steven? <laughs> he's the one. You know the blonde one who was in Drive. Drive, right? Oh yeah. Ryan Gosling. Thank yes, you! Yes, he's a gosling. You were almost fired. Oh He's a gosling. Seacrest. God damn it. Um Steven out. <laughs> Of a job. That's how you fire Steven. <laughs>
1: what if that's how Ryan Seacrest fires people? <gasps> Joanne out of accounting. Oh, Joanne. Joanne out. She did her best. She tried, but...
2: Okay, so there's a documentary that's been being made of... Ted Bundy, that I really want to come out before. You know, it's the thing of like, you know, I, I haven't watched I Tanya yet, but I made sure to watch the thirty for thirty about Tanya Harding before I watched. Eventually, the Hollywood version, exactly, because yeah. you want to see what really happened. So there's this this documentary that this woman Celine Beth Cal- uh, Cauldron. Calderon Calderon probably <laughs> she's been trying to make called Theodore, the documentary and. Uh, she, she's trying to raise funds on Indiegogo. She's the first female filmmaker to make a documentary about Ted Bundy, which I think we both know is huge because yeah. she's focusing on the victims and not Ted Bundy being this like Ma- Marilyn, Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Manson <laughs> type. <laughs> also, they so the always wore that one blue contact. They're doing an Indiegogo thing, but, f- but they're even, even with that, they're putting, giving 5% of what they make to rain. Oh, so That's like, amazing. She, she's not, I mean, I just really hope it comes out before. So what's her name again? So her name is Celine. Calderon. 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 And it's Theodore, the documentary. And she keeps, I follow her on Instagram, she keeps posting, like there's a photo of fucking Ted Bundy, like never seen before next to the fucking bug. Ugh. And then she got like a, she's interviewed a fucking shit ton of people who were involved, who have never talked like spoken before about it. And she needs money to interview more people so she can make the documentary. I really want it to be made.
1: I Yes. And also it's, it's such, good.
2: A, a, such a passion project. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. If you
1: have, if you're up there and on your uh, on your high hill in your mansion, and you want to throw some
2: dollar bills a certain way, right? That would be Indiegogo, amazing. Go go, and then you just look up Theodore the documentary, and I just think it should come out beforehand,
1: and then give the equal amount to Rain also, right? Yeah, get it all done in Listen, one in one donation. Don't be a dick. Come on, stop, stop being so greedy <laughs> I on your know hill. How mean you are. Why are you up on that hill? in The Ryan Seacrest. You owe it to everyone to make this documentary happen, Ryan. We know that you have nine jobs, which means that you could donate what, 50 grand
2: and get oh this my fucking thing made? 50 grand is nothing. Come for on, come
1: You're natural. You're a, you're, America loves you. Love us back. Yeah. Is that too strong?
2: No. For Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. <clears throat> Ryan Seacrest, you're my Valentine. Love is in the air and whatnot. <laughs> someone knows something season four started ah loving it david riggan i love something someone knows something he's so good this new one is about uh, i love something 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 (laughs) this new one is about this dude who gets sent this bomb explodes in his fucking hands dies still hasn't been solved it was like 1996 what goes back to, to fucking figure out what happened It's super good already And I'm really angry Because they didn't drop All the episodes at once Oh So you have to wait Which is so smart But
1: There's nothing worse Than having to wait But I hate it that's great. Yeah, it's good. Everyone does he, much.
2: does he crunch down any country lanes? He, he fucking does his signature crunching to the, towards the door from his car. Beautiful. He does, it's his thing. It's his signature.
1: I see him in my mind as I listen to him do that. And it's such a delightful oh, yeah.
2: and yet also incredibly upsetting movie. Only in my head. he can get away with that. Yeah. Cause it's such a documentary filmmaker thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um,
1: it's so exciting that, that there's I love another it. season I love Yay. it
2: That's all I have to say
1: MadeInCookware.com That's
2: M-A-D-E-I-N Cookware.com Goodbye
1: Okay, so This was a story that I wanted To do when we were in Columbus Okay But it's too awful Oh, good Uh, So I'm gonna go back I know that these days I've been doing lots of Slightly off-kilter Lighter Whatever types of stories I've gone all the way back to the Ridge. This is a fucking awful, awful and recent murder.
2: And you can't tell them why you can't do it at live shows.
1: Well, in live shows. Well, first of all, we have to have stuff that we can talk about and riff about and like and connect over and kind of go like, wait, what did you just say or whatever? And when it's a especially if it's a recent murder, um if children are involved, if it's unsolved, if it's you know
2: just if it's if it's just relentless horror, if it
1: hits too close to home,
2: yeah, yeah, you just don't want to. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, and also I think everyone together. I mean, we've had times where we've talked about really hard stuff, mm-hmm. but then but it can't just be that yeah. way the whole time. So, but okay. when I was looking this up. I was on I was like I think it might be worth it because there's an element to this that is so fascinating it's it kind of it transcends the
2: horror of what happened well I think we should do whatever we want when it's you and I yeah right and there's Steven uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at live shows it's hard to do really horrific murders
1: <clears throat> yeah yeah just like look up I mean there is an interesting element to like grieving with 2,000 people at a time yeah. but not when they're mad at you r- yeah Okay. It's just hard. But so I can just tell you this and then, okay. and just then tell people me. can listen. I'm just gonna tell no you. No one about else it. is listening. Steven, please put those headphones on more.
2: <laughs> so this was this happened in Mount Vernon, Ohio last November. Holy like as in four months ago? Four months ago. November, December, January. Oh shit. Four fucking months ago. <gasps> Happy twenty eighteen, by the way. Did oh, we even say that? It's Valentine's Day.
1: <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. And then upcoming Presidents' Day. So on november 10th of last year uh when tina herman didn't show up for work at dairy queen her boss goes over to her house to check and see what's going on and when he gets there he finds it littered with beer cans and covered in blood it was actually described as looking like a horror movie inside the house oh god so of course he immediately calls the police um Tina's not in the house. Her 13-year-old daughter's not in the house. Her 11-year-old son's not in the house. And her friend, mm-hmm. whose car is in the driveway, is not in the house. Mm-mm. So immediately, the police start a massive manhunt. There's people walking around on foot. It's in the air, like the whole the whole area goes crazy. The next night, Tina Herman's pickup truck is found near the Kenyon College campus they actually, when they found the pickup truck, they did a lockdown on the school because wow. they thought maybe the guy was nearby. Oh shit! Um, the police interview people that are walking around the area. They don't find anything suspicious um back at Tina Herman's house the police that are processing the scene find Walmart bags with rec- with a receipt a-, a Walmart bag with a receipt inside and the receipt shows purchasing um of garbage bags and a large heavy duty tarp never good not poli- all the police are like you know what i remember this chapter in school bad <laughs> fucking news so they go to that Walmart that's on the receipt they check their surveillance video the time of the mm-hmm. receipt and on it, they, it clearly shows a very um, a young, not very young, but a young, brown-haired man, probably in his early thirties, buying these items mm. at the store. Mm. And on the video, they can also see when he leaves. They see him drive by in his Yaris. (gasps) Yaris. (laughs) I was not expecting that. That's right. There are a lot of people drive Yaris's proudly, (laughs) and this guy was one of them. So he, it's all like right there on the tape. Yeah. So the cops go to the DMV. They search the records. They cross-check whatever Yaris's. They they go to all the Yaris owners. Cross-check Yaris. They arrest all of them for bad taste. Mm. I'm joking. Oh my god! Onslaught of Yaris. Everyone. I know
2: it's a good car.
1: How dare you? I bought this with my own money <laughs> although i have to tell you my friend tisha and i we bought i bought my honda fit at the same time she bought her yaris mm-hmm. and she was trying to decide between the two and i was always like you gotta go with this honda fit and mm-hmm. she was like nope i think i'm gonna go with the yaris and i was just like i felt so like it was like smug ucla versus usc oh. i was just like goodbye yeah you're not we're not on the same team anymore Wow. I haven't spoken to her since.
2: <laughs> That's <intense. laughs> just it. <kidding>. Holy shit. <laughs> That's how
1: deep this Yara shit goes with me. Okay. So they find out through the DMV records and his driver's license, this man is Matthew Hoffman. He's a thirty year old unemployed tree trimmer. Then once they see the pictures, one of the officers goes, I fucking talked to that guy up at the college when we found the truck.
2: <gasps> Nuh-uh. Yes. Like he one of the people he
1: questioned? Yep. He was right nearby. <gasps> what? So they're like Call everybody. We're doing the Gather food. the
2: troop. Right? You know, circle the wagons. Circle the troops.
1: Circle the wagons is what most cops say when they think they uh-huh. have a person. Gather the, gather the wagons. Circle the troops. Gather our friends and let us go out together and fight crime. Yes. So, they fucking send the SWAT team to this guy's house. And... Uh, so this is this basically takes four days so four days after the family's found missing mm-hmm. the cops kick his fu- I, I don't know how it happened kick it they the kick cops it. kick down the fucking door yeah uh, Matthew Hoffman is sleeping on the couch inside in the living room and Uh-oh. are you ready no your face looks unhappy well it's just it's not horrifying but it's this they find the entire living room is filled with leaves what? Huge pile of leaves. 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 Um, piled so high that the police <gasps> feared bodies might be buried underneath them. What the fuck? So many fucking leaves. Mount Vernon police detective Craig Feeney told the Columbus Dispatch, so much runs through your mind. What if somebody's hiding under that pile? Or in this case, I thought, what if that's where he's hiding the bodies? What the fuck? Leaves. Leaves they walk down the hall to the bathroom. No, don't do it. You wanna pull up these pictures? I brought pictures no. for you. huh. This is how I found the story. And it stopped me so cold. I was just like, what in the fuck are we doing? Oh here? my God, oh my God. So this is the bathroom. No, no. I'm showing you the picture. What? The walls of the bathroom are lined with plastic shopping bags filled with <gasps> leaves, and it looks insulated. Like when we'll it looks post like this insulation.
2: Like before you put on the drywall, you put bags of say, leaves. Kmart. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And of like perfectly filled bags of leaves, perfectly spaced,
1: perfectly hung. Each one right up the same width, same depth. Of you know, it's not like sloppy. Bags of leaves Hung on the wall What the Piles
2: of leaves On the ground How have, have I ground? never heard of this Because it just happened I think Oh and so that's You saw Yeah son. So Just it's it's not even like It's just leaves Legitimate It's not dirt And it's no. not gravel It's just leaves
1: And the, Isn't that something That's
2: absolutely From like a David Fincher movie Yeah because it's one of those Things where it's like It doesn't mean anything But it's so creepy Yes As it is it Just like the moths And uh, Silence of the Lambs Right Where you're
1: like It's just moths it's, it's not that big of a deal People collect insects I guess I mean t- You know a bit yeah. t- their touch Yeah But when that moth lands next to her, and just when she's yeah. like, may I use your phone please? Um, I always have to get one of those in there. Okay, so Love it. Uh, finally they go down into the basement.
2: Don't the basement, that.
1: there's a door closed and it's barricaded with this big sewing machine cabinet thing. When they break down the door, they get inside. They find Tina Herman's 13-year-old daughter alive. <gasps> she's bound and gagged, and she's laying on a makeshift bed of leaves. This dude loves leaves. I mean, it's so... And it's this dank, creepy basement, obviously. She's been raped, and she was wearing a plastic bag with holes cut for legs like a diaper. (gasps) So creepy. Oh, my God. He's arrested, taken into custody. How
2: the fuck did I not see this? I don't know. Twitter's algorithms are really disappointing me. I mean, I was so...
1: Like this was one of those ones where I was just like, I don't know. I think it's where worth- I think this is the kind of thing that people that are interested yeah. in true crime, when you hear a story where you're like, sorry, what are we
2: doing? Like, what is this? But like, I was in Columbus with you and I was like looking up Columbus murders to to do for the show and I didn't fucking see this. Right. Okay, go on. I mean, I feel like it was breaking news. Yeah. Most of the articles that I found to tell you about this
1: were they were waiting for like basically once they found the girl they still didn't know where the family was and they still didn't know they yeah. were like we still have three people missing thank god she's well and they and just so you guys know they they did print her name when they first reported on the story right. then when they realized she was a sexual assault victim they stopped printing her name so okay. that's why I'm not saying her name okay. um <clears throat> so They're questioning Matthew Hoffman. Um, He's not saying anything. They said that this reporter that was writing this said that um, these stories are from the Columbus Dispatch and also from the Denver Post. Um, But they say there's hours of footage of police trying to question him and him just not saying a word. And then finally, um, uh, he tells the police that he wants to confess because he has a bad dream about being at a food processing plant. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So... He tells police he opened up, in the dream, he opened up a trash bag at the food processing plant, and he saw (sighs) cut up body parts, (sighs) and he got a knot in his stomach, and it all, quote unquote, came back to him. (sighs) And so finally, he confesses to the murder of Tina Herman, her 11-year-old son, Cody, and her friend, Stephanie Sprang, whose car was in her driveway. Oh, no. He tells police that he waited in the woods across the street from Tina Herman's house, the night before he was up in a tree leaves unemployed tree trimmer (gasps) he's got a tree issue he's up in a tree he watches the house all night at nine in the morning he sees tina herman leave the house so he thinks the house is empty and the the garage door doesn't go down all the way Mm -mm. so he sees his this is his chance to slip in he goes into the house
2: Um, he's in, he, he told police, do we know how, or is this going to come up, like how he knew who they were? He just, it was just a random, well, he had already been arrested once before
1: for burglarizing a house by slipping into an open garage door. Okay. So. When he told police he actually had only gone in to burglarize the house, they believed that it was basically an interrupted burglary because he had done it once before and only burgled the house. Okay. Um, And there's other extenuating circumstances in his life that are different on this one. But basically, uh, Tina and her friend um, Stephanie came back um, to the house and interrupted him mm-hmm. an hour after he broke in Mm-mm. and so he stabbed them both to death holy shit! yes and then he's dis- dismembering their bodies mm. and and the kids come home from school so he stabs the 11 year old boy mm. to death in the doorway um, the 13 year old daughter runs to her room. Mm-hmm. He grabs her. He ties her up with, um, an electric fan cord and he puts her in his truck or in his, I can't, it's, it's really weird because he did this thing where, um, he had a Jeep. Um, but then he also used Tina's truck, Right. and that's why he's the one that left it at the college. Right. And he had gone on foot back somewhere, and he was walking back to drive Shut the truck back to her house. Up. And that's when the cops started talking to him.
2: So he had this and he whole. He could play it cool. They didn't even suspect him. Yeah. So something is fucking wrong with this dude. That's the old psychopath. They don't get nervous. They
1: don't. They can look somebody in the eye and be like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm just here on the bike path, Ugh. chilling out." Um yeah so what had happened is he put um these dismembered bodies and the little girl they don't think that the girl saw the house M- like maybe she was blindfolded or something cuz she didn't know anything that about her her what mom was going her no brother or dad or no, she didn't know she just oh, knew no. she was kidnapped oh, baby so he dropped her off at his house put her in that basement um then left he drove to the Kokosing. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. The Kokosing Wildlife Area, uh, which was apparently he was a big outdoorsman and he uh, like did, went there a lot and camped out a lot and, you know, liked trees a lot. Um, he with a rope uh, and pulley system, hmm. he pulled their body parts up and put them into a 60 foot hollow tree. And hid them there. So holy
2: shit, that like wouldn't even cross my mind. Yes,
1: no, 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 no. It's like it's it's beyond the perfect and most ins- like obscure hiding place. The police were like, if we didn't make the deal, because yeah. he said, "I'll tell you where the bodies are if you don't give me the death penalty." The police were like, if we didn't do that, we would have never, never found these that bodies. That
2: blows my mind because I have this. You know This in mind of like uh, what, Like where are all the bodies Like there are over the whole globe There are bodies hidden in crazy Forests and weird places And yep. that wouldn't even fucking Cross my mind now I have a whole another Fucking thing to worry about Well and also because it's up so high up. That like it's all this premeditation It's this
1: plan it's this like Everything about it and then it also makes me go Like oh who put Bella in the witch oil? Yeah, It's that weird like the tree thing—it's real. Oh God! Now I have a whole other thing to worry about. Yeah, it's c- c- so crazy.
2: We can lump it right into just the forest okay. issue that of we flight. always do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. File it under that. Yeah, it's just not going to be buried this time, right? Right. Okay.
1: Basically, he planned to then, once he went and picked that truck up, he was going to take it back to her house, burn the house down, and oh, like get rid of all the evidence. God. That was his plan. Uh-huh. Um, and then he told police that he also planned. To he said he was really nice to the daughter, and that he planned to just keep her for a little while. He was gonna. He they played video games, they read books, they watched movies. Mm-hmm. He he gave her hamburgers, blah blah blah, and then he was just gonna let her eventually let her run away. She'd be home by Christmas, is what he told the fucking police. <laughs> like he had this whole fantasy that he, he was, was actually, actually a really, good guy. He was a good guy, and he was. And very, he didn't want to her. do
2: these things, but he was putting this. What a fucking dick. Well,
1: and also just mental illness gone beyond like just untreated terrible you know whatever so um essentially so they have of course these newspapers have interviewed the neighbors and they this guy has so many neighbors it's amazing and they all (laughs) have something to say (laughs) one of the neighbors said there's only two trees near this guy's house so (laughs) she's Neighbor Jeanette Columber said He can't have possibly got that many leaves From that tree So he has to haul leaves in here from somewhere Do
2: we know what the deal with
1: the leaves are? I mean He's just obsessed with them? Yes. It's like there was a. They did interview, and I think this is from the the Columbus Dispatch. They interviewed a guy named Dr. N.G. Beryl, who is the director of the New York Center for Neuropsychology and Forensic Behavioral Science. That That guy says you would have to talk to this guy to understand what the connection is, but it's clear that this guy is mentally ill beyond what we associate with normal serial killers or murderers or psychopaths, because normally serial killers um, are not technically mentally ill. They have these character disturbances, but they know what's happening uh-huh. and they know that they're doing wrong. They like it. Uh-huh. And that's part of the reason they're doing, they get pleasure and gratification from how the terrible things they're doing and the torture that uh-huh. they are inflicting on other people. He thinks that this guy had some other thing happening and there was like obviously lots of other issues at hand. Oh um God. It it's so fucking nuts. So uh the neighbor, let's see. So Jeanette said we I don't know where those leaves could have come from because there's no trees around oh, here. Uh. Then a a neighbor a neighbor named a Henderson Butcher says That Matthew Hoffman was friendly, but he used to play around the trees a lot, around there a lot. He'd throw ropes up in the trees and had like a hammock up in there. So in some part of the neighborhood that did have trees, he would go in and be in them all the time. Okay, fine. Right? (laughs) Donna, fine then. (laughs) Fine. That's fine. Just Um, don't, just go do that. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people like trees. Donna Davis. Uh, D-A-W-N-A, my favorite spelling of Donna ever. It's all the good seventies names combined into one name. She was another next door neighbor, Mm -hmm. and she said that she told her children to stay indoors when Matthew Hoffman was outside. Oh, that's chill. Yeah. And she said that he had moved in alone a year before, um, and that his girlfriend had lived with him temporarily, and then she moved out a month before the murders. (gasps) Um, and she said, she, this is what she said to the Denver Post. He'd sit up and listen to us up in a tree. He had a hammock and he would just sit there and listen to us. Oh my He gosh. was just different. He was very different. And Oh, my God. She said that he walked to Foundation Park almost every day and was a, quote, nature person who collected leaves. So I guess Foundation Park was the park nearby that the other neighbor's talking about. Yeah. And he would just go up in there. Um, Also, his house was in foreclosure. Um, And it had been... uh, It started in January. So he was, I think, at the end of, like, a serious, probably, psychotic break. Yeah. Um, He makes that huge confession. Uh Uh-huh. And... Oh, he also killed the fucking family dog. No! Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So... Once he makes the confession and he said, he asked the investigator, if I write down the location of the bodies, um, he hadn't given a, given away the location yet. And he said, uh, if I write these down, will, can I then make a fake, like, attempt to escape and you shoot me? And the, and the cop was like, no, (laughs) we're not going to do it that way. And so then he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't tell them where they, the bodies were for two full days. And then he finally, um, he finally told them that whole story that I just told you. And the police, of course, when they saw it, were just like, yeah, we had to, we had to make this deal with them because we would have never known. Sure. Um, so in the end, uh, Matthew Hoffman Hoffman pled guilty to 10 felonies, including aggravated murder and rape, and he was given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Um, And the Knox County prosecutor, John Thatcher, said um, that this Knox County has never seen a case like this before. It has to rank in Ohio history as one of the worst homicide cases ever.
2: My favorite murder history, too. I mean... Dude, so, like I thought those leaves would like have something about like they he buried the bodies and had to put the leaves somewhere well it's no just oh yeah psycho. like directly. it's yeah, yeah. just
1: he is but the that um psychiatrist that they talked to said, you know obviously this is all it's his he has a, some kind of a delusion and some kind of an obsession, so in his mind, somewhere in his mind, and he would be the only person that would be able to explain mm-hmm. what that connection is, but right now. There's nobody that can say, oh, he did trees because murder because of trees. Mm. But like just coming upon a picture of a living room filled
2: Mm -hmm. with fucking leaves. The bathroom is more troubling to me of just perfect bags lined up and like whatever stapled to the wall. It's almost like inverted hoarders, like the same feeling I had the first time I saw hoarders, but
1: it's organized and only leaves. Yeah and on the wall and then you gotta be like
2: what happened what's going Tell on me
1: everything now yes oh. meanwhile
2: it's a grown man that climbs and plays in trees so like how, bought a, but was able to buy a house and have a girlfriend and like how i don't it's so crazy and plan the disposal of bodies in a really s- smart way yes well yes because once he was in it it was like that is
1: the truth like that um that psychologist that gave the or psychiatrist whatever he was that gave the difference, it's like yes he was mentally ill clearly, mm-hmm. but he also knew what he did was wrong, covered it up. Like yes he he had there was something going on, but you can't he it, it's the insanity defense I don't think could apply no. because he he covered up and hid those bodies yeah. and hit a girl yeah and raped a fucking girl yeah. like. You know, this wasn't some kind of like, I went all over the place. This isn't like Richard Chase, the yeah. Sa- Sacramento vampire, where you're like, what the fuck are you doing, yeah. dude? Yeah. God damn it. Anyway, that's the Matthew Hoffman case of Mount Vernon.
2: Jesus. I don't know how I would have reacted on stage to this.
1: Well, I mean, it would have felt like this.
2: <laughs> <It was funny. laughs> like, we're just like, Ugh. oh, man. Well, mine isn't much happier. Okay. But it's, but it's interesting. Okay, good. All right. That's all we ask. That's all we need from you. People. (laughs) You're not. What? What? This is our job. Okay. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into, whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve. The key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines. And June's journey has that and more. murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder again
1: don't forget the code is all lowercase.
2: Goodbye all right well this is one I hadn't ever heard of. Okay. Even though it's basically the like the French Jean Bonnet. Oh have you heard of this one, Madeline McCann? No, oh. it's the French Madeline McCann. Oh, okay, an that's, actual French citizen. That's English, right? It's the, it's the Madeline McCann, Jean Benet. en français, in French. Got it. French bread, French dressing, oh, with a side of French. This is le Affaire de Petit Gregory, or the case of Little Gregory. Oh, yeah. Okay already awful it's one of France's most high profile murders uh, so in 1981 in the small village of uh, near Volon in eastern France 26 year old Jean-Marie Villemin is promoted to foreman at the car parts factory where he works so after his promotion he Jean-Marie uh, and his wife Christine who's 24 like so young right yeah start uh receiving threatening anonymous phone calls from a person who knows a shit ton about their family. Um and he calls himself uh the Raven. Oh no. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this person is calling threatening he has a this person has a hoarse voice or it's a woman disguising her voice. I listened to one of the recordings from way <sighs> back when and it sounds like a fucking woman to me for sure. Was it super creepy? Y- yeah it's not even creepy they're having a conversation oh no all right so um the person is angry with jean marie once jean marie had been promoted they think he's putting on airs he's got a lot of money he's not joining the union Mm. and so a lot of the articles about this and like every video is in french sure so it's really hard to get information i had to do a lot of google translation bullshit so some of it might be off like the the raven thing it's called the crow in a lot of different like translations which is a totally different horrible death
1: yeah yeah so uh, always ask me for french stuff because i took i took all the way up through french too
2: (laughs) so valon valange is valange it's valanges (laughs) right there's some fucked up things here okay okay um so they're pissed off at at jean-marie uh the villamans they alert the police and they begin recording the phone calls and so at that point the phone calls stop and instead uh threatening letters start coming do you think the raven knew the phone calls were being recorded yeah okay because it sounds like someone who was close to the family oh okay So maybe even knew like a mole yeah that's totally Uh. a mole so, these threatening letters start coming in. There are these rambling letters written in, quote, longhand and low-class slang. Oh. Um, the letters are signed the raven and say such things as, I'll have all your hides, and I hate you so much. The day you die, I will spit on your grave. And okay. it's sent to the whole family, like, the, you know, the grandparents and all these things. God. Like so, a window of the house is broken in the Vilman house while Christine is at home, alone with the couple's young son named Gregory oh no and also all the tires are slashed on the family cars so someone is threatening them and it's a small town and the person knows a lot about them the harassment goes on for three years whoa uh, without the villains or the police having any idea who was behind it and then on October 16th 1984 at around 5 30 p.m. Christine who's inside doing some ironing goes out to bring Gregory in uh He's four years old at this point, and she had left him outside to play in the sand beside their house, and he's not there. Oh, God. No, it gets worse. Uh, she gets in her car to drive around the small town looking for him, thinking maybe he just wandered off. But, uh, at that point, Jean Marie's brother receives a call at work from an unidentified person telling him, I have taken the boy. Oh. So a search begins, but by 9:30 that same night, Gregory is found in the Volon River, four miles from his home. Oh God! Yeah. So this is like, think there's so many similarities to Jean-Benet case in this. So little Gregory, he's this sweet boy. There's this photo of him in the same way that the photo of Jean-Benet, looking all smiley and beautiful, is you know known to us for ages. This photo of Gregory is the same thing. He's sweet, smiling boy with messy curly hair, little four-year-old he's found bound hand and foot he's fully dressed there's a photo taken at the scene by a journalist it's a roped firefighter holding in his arms and like taking gregory out of the river um he's fully dressed in his blue anorak dark green velvet trousers and uh, his like beanie still on his head oh and it's published in the press the next day and it traumatizes all of France and everyone becomes obsessed with this case Yeah. so uh, he's dead did I say that? yeah. I mean, yeah. you figured. Okay. the next day uh, Christine and Jean-Marie receive an anonymous letter that says to Jean-Marie addressed to him I hope you die of grief boss your money can't give you back your son here is my revenge you stupid bastard Holy fuck. In the same way that the Jean Bonnet fucking letter was... It's so similar, right? Oh. Remember? Yes. But that was a ransom, a fake ransom letter. Right. But it was like, your money can't help you. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You know what I mean? That's right. Like, I'm jealous of your riches. Okay. So the investigation doesn't fucking start well. The lead investigator put on the case. uh, He's the only investigating magistrate in the district. He's 32-year-old Jean-Michel Lambert it's his very first investigation no 32 oh can you i wouldn't trust a 32 year old to watch my fucking purse for five minutes dude sorry steven how old are you 30. Fuck. <laughs> wait a second my wallet's gone
1: <laughs> steven uh no that's too young too young you need experienced people yeah it's a big fucking difference. you need people when it's an important thing people have to know what they're doing mm-hmm. they have to have experience mm-hmm. They can't be in a
2: state of I need to prove myself. That's exactly right. That's it's <sighs> it's less like I don't know what I'm doing than I don't know what I'm doing and I need to act like I know what I'm doing. Yes. So I'm going to fucking overdo it. I can't listen. That's exactly I can't, what happens. You here. can't help me. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well it's the same thing with the Jean Bonnet when they sent the young and experienced cops on Christmas fucking day. <sighs> so thirty two year old Jean Michel Lambert, first investigation. First of all, he fails to secure the crime scene. And he also doesn't order a full autopsy. So the autopsy has been criticized forever because it was incomplete and sloppy. So they don't know. There's no bruises on the body. Pathologists attribute the death to drowning and contact with the cold water. They're not totally sure. They disagree whether he had been drowned in the river or in tap water. Because the the water in his lungs contained none of the microscopic organisms that one would find in the river. Ew, that's awful. I know, but they didn't do... But but Lambert was, like, kind of trying to spare the parents by not making them over-autopsy poor Gregory. It doesn't work that way. No, unfortunately. I mean, ultimately. (laughs) Yeah. So, from the beginning, suspicion falls on the family of Jean-Marie, the father... His parents, brothers, aunts, uncles, and cousins all live nearby. And when Jean-Marie is promoted to foreman way back when, um, some of the family members had been unhappy about it. So they think that the person who was writing the letters, the raven, and the killer might be part of his family. Out of, like, jealousy, yeah. basically? And he has a big family that all lives in this, neighbor, in this area. Okay. So... Um, Police force hundreds of 140 members of the Villaman family to take handwriting and dictation tests to compare them to the letters and phone calls that have been going on. Wow. 140. Wow. Um, They copied pages of the writing, including the text of the last message from the Raven. And after a month after Gregory's murder, the 15 year old sister in law, of Jean-Marie's cousin. So Jean-Marie, the dad of Gregory, his cousin, whose name is Bernard LaRoche, his cousin's sister-in-law, <laughs> this is confusing, who's yeah. 15 years old, so she's just like nerdy, red-headed 15-year-old, totally early 80s, like not much, go- maybe a Duran Duran shirt on, but like no makeup. She's not like yeah. punk rock or whatever. Jean uh, jacket. Jean I jacket. see her, I can see her. Yeah. A comb holding one side of her hair back. Yeah, but like really nerdy comb. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) a math cone, you know yep yeah it's a ruler Uh (laughs) uh-huh she so she's 15 year old 15 years old she comes forward and tells investigators that the that the cousin her her brother-in-law who's married to her sister 29 year old Bernard LaRoche is the murderer Oh, fuck. She tells them that the day Gregory was killed, she had been picked up by Bernard from high school and taken to the Villamans' house. They picked up Gregory and headed for the river. And then they parked and Bernard went off with him and came back alone. What? So she's fucking pinning it all on her sister's husband. Okay. Who's this like smiley, big, boisterous looking, mustachioed, messy 80s hair dude. Okay. Played by, like, a young, um, what's his, Roseanne's husband on Roseanne. John Goodman? Like a young John Goodman. I was thinking Vincent D'Onofrio. No. Not okay. More jovial. More look- okay. looking. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good t- a good time guy. Totally. Got it. But, like, why are you smiling inappropriately in this photograph? Oh. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, there's a photograph of the three, of the, the cousin, his wife, and his wife's, and uh the young muriel her name is muriel boyle there's a photograph of the three of them and i just want to know if it's taken before or after the murder because it's inappropriately smiling and creepy okay you know what i mean yes like ugh. there's something about it french you people are screaming they're what they think about really happened <laughs> and i want to know <laughs> they're like actually we're supposed to smile like this way <laughs> right so why are you smiling? Okay.
1: Um, I, I knew I used to work with an over smiler oh, who actually I'm positive was a sociopath. Because they don't know when it's appropriate. So they just do it the whole time. Right. And they, it's this thing of, it's almost like that weird hypnosis kind of thing where it's just like,
2: yes, everything's fine. Like right. they're trying to
1: control you with their mouth. Te-
2: right. With their teeth. They learn that people. <laughs> They learn that people mimic things. So they just fucking do it. Yeah. Like here, this is friends, friends, friends. See? Yeah. See? It was like
1: someone always trying to show you that they're happy and smiley. Right. Means they're
2: covering something. And you know, inherently, but you're like, but they they seem so happy. Yeah. I have to mimic what they're doing because right.
1: is, they're setting this sta- day. This they're setting the tone of the room, which is right. We
2: love everything. And then when you get older and stop giving a shit about anything, you realize like you don't have to do that. Like when I stopped, when I stop being that way, which I am inherently like a person who will mimic a person's happiness because I'm just uncomfortable that way, yeah. And I don't do it, then I'm like, oh, this isn't right. Yeah, I don't want to be here.
1: It's well, because it's like, what is? The, why is this person trying to control me yeah. this hard? Like, yeah. what is? Ha- what do they
2: not want me to be paying attention to? Right. I mean, this is that photograph. Oy. In a nutshell, from Got the it. '80s. Okay, with a mustache, <laughs> Steven <laughs> Um Wait okay. are you French, Stephen?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oui. Uh-huh. Oui. Okay. Bah, 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 bah. So she says that, blah blah blah. And then okay, so Bernard, this guy Bernard, the cousin, and Jean-Marie had played together as children. So they're from the same clan. It's like a clan more than a family. It's almost like Fargo that second season when they're like yes. the big crime fight criming family. <laughs> the crimey family. They didn't fight crime, they That's crimed. It. Um But they had grown apart over the years, and Bernard was an unkempt, often profane man with a mustache. And he and his wife, they also had a four-year-old child, but he was had a learning disability. Okay. So they both had four-year-old children, but Gregory was this beautiful, smiling, happy baby that everyone loved. And Jean-Marie had been promoted. He was getting all this money. His dad was in charge of the plant. Well, meanwhile, Bernard seem to have a shitty fucking life right so uh they didn't socialize anymore with jean marie and christine but so he wouldn't have known about the family a lot enough to write these raven letters but one of jean marie's brothers was good friends with LaRoche, so he would have known okay um he didn't like the Vil- the uh villmans blah 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 okay so, at, so, so this chick Muriel's is like my fucking brother-in-law did it. I'm 15. What's up? Yeah. At the spot where Muriel said uh, they had stopped, the investigators find a, it's a, a vial of insulin and a syringe they find on the ground. Okay. Um, they make the investigators think that Gregory had been put into a hypoglycemic coma before being thrown into the river. Okay, so that made him unable to. So he unable to do anything, right? And yeah. he was also tied up. Yeah. So, but but there had been no toxicology report because the autopsy wasn't done correctly. So they didn't know. They didn't look for needle marks, anything like that. And so Muriel says she wasn't aware of what her uncle was doing. She had just been sitting in the car. But it turns out that Muriel's mother, uh, Janine, was a diabetic, and that Muriel was her insulin injector oh so she might have been more involved than she said she was because she would know how to do it right or she would even have provided them with it
1: but then why would she fucking go to the cops and and say he did it like if she's involved
2: that's a great question so why would she do it no no no, it's why would she do it anyways there's a lot of questions here well yeah i mean like that's the first and she's 15 and feels and isn't an adult and knows there's right and wrong and your fucking bullshit fights with families don't matter yeah because that's such a huge st- it's such a stretch from I hate my rich cousin who gets everything to I'm going to kill a child a ch- like not even kill your cousin fine kill an adult man yeah whatever exactly. but to, to take away the child is such a I want you to suffer specifically yes the it's most crazy it's so awful right okay. so Um, they test Bernard's handwriting and experts say he had written two of the poison pen letters including the one sent the day after the murder so they say it's it's Bernard. It matches him. It matches him.
1: And this is in the time where they knew nothing about handwriting analysis. Like, that's back
2: in the Zodiac times where they're like, Nah, it's not him. It's almost like it's in a time when they thought they knew everything about handwriting analysis. And now we know that they know nothing about handwriting. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like the opposite where they're like, You can tell everything from that. And yeah. now we're like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Right. You're making all kinds of insane assumptions. Exactly. And, yeah. and you sound really fucking smart. Yeah. Right. So Bernard is arrested. And then... Muriel gets the the fifteen year old gets sent back to her family's house, and a couple days later, retracts her entire statement. What? Everyone is like Muriel like was bullied by her family into retracting that statement. Oh, everyone thinks that. Okay. Um, How dare you turn on the family? How dare you on the yeah. brother in law? This you know, there's like insane like family like going back probably hundreds of years within this small. Community with this family, right? Or these families. Uh, and against the prosecutor's advice, Lambert, the police investigating 31 year old dude. So the police investigator, even though um, the public prosecutor's like, don't fucking do this, they let Bernard go what? because she retracts her statement and they're like, well, then let's let her go. But then that's it. Well, there's because then there's no evidence that he's involved well they were saying there's other evidence right so yeah. why wasn't he held oh yeah okay on the day of his release Jean-marie Gregory's dad uh in front of a bunch of journalists vows that he would kill his cousin Bernard of course he did right he vows to kill Bernard <sighs> two journalists two journalists oh the LaRoche family tries to get police protection but the police are like nope Oh, no. Nope. He can't have it. Uh -uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh-uh. And so, true to his fucking word, (gasps) on March 29th, Jean-Marie waits outside his cousin's house, and when he gets home, pulls up, he fucking approaches his cousin, Bernard, and shoots him with a hunting rifle. Oh, fuck. Bernard dies. Oh, my God. The cousin dies. Goodbye, John Goodman.
1: He's out of the picture. John now. Goodman?
2: Jean Goodman? Jean Goodman. is dead. It's like if fucking John uh, Ramsey had shot, you know, his boss. It's just insane. Yes. These steps people are taking.
1: Also, it, it, it seems like reverse police work where it's like, let them go,
2: don't investigate, <laughs> like, right. don't get details going. Yeah. Like, everything is, it feels like. Arrest someone now, quickly. and and let him go and then try this and it's just like panic amping everyone up yes and especially small town like
1: anywhere in the world like boulder yes you know exactly small town life where everyone knows everyone's business and there's
2: gossip and there's
1: pressure exactly
2: so uh bernard dies jean marie immediately turns himself in uh and he's sentenced to five years for the killing whoa yeah meanwhile Lambert, the police dude Is like, I know who fucking did this I'll tell you who fucking did this And he starts to build a case against Gregory's mother, Christine Whoa uh, For the murder of her son At this point, she's six months pregnant Too, let's add that in for fun Because this is a fucking Lifetime movie apparently. Yes. He's saying that the mother killed her son Uh huh Okay. This 33 year old fucking prosecutor uh investigator
1: <laughs> he's been 31
2: 32 Listen, and 33 they're all the same <laughs> everyone knows well time is passing actually right okay so three locals who worked with christine swore that they saw her at the post office on the day before gregory's death when the revenge letter had been posted which is like i don't think it was true but also who gives a fucking shit you know like they're saying they saw her mail the revenge letter. They're saying they saw her the day the ma- the revenge letter was mailed at the post office. Okay, all right. Uh, graphologists argued that there was an eighty percent chance that she was the letter's author. So again, with the fucking Jean Binet ransom letter, right? And we're all like, right? But then they'd already said that he, right? The but deck- he signed that they said, yeah yeah they already said that the cousin was right if they're just changing it per this okay Mm -hmm. uh and string that was identical to uh what was used to tie up gregory is found in the cellar of the uh, Vilman's home oh no but it's like does that i don't know who knows the bag i could have taken it there right that's the that's the one string they sell in this village sure also, in the Ravens' letters, he accuses Christine of killing Gregory. So they start to believe what the fucking Raven is saying. Uh, because Gregory had been conceived. So, so they're saying Christine had been knocked up with Gregory in an extramarital affair... Uh, and that's why she killed her son, which what? ultimately wasn't true. Proven to be untrue. Ooh, that's fucked up. Yeah. Because then they're just floating salacious shit that people right. love to repeat. And keep in mind this whole time, if you were alive during the jean Jean-Benet Ramsey uh, investigation, it is the, the fucking media is going out of their fucking minds. Yeah. You know, front page glossy bullshit in every grocery store. I don't know what they have in France. That's equivalent to that. It's going on. Everyone is eating it up and all these crazy theories are being, you know, just thrown about. Yeah.
1: I think it's a they have one big magazine called Perry Match. And uh, uh-huh. it's just pictures of people smoking and then terrible stories like that. That's
2: what it is. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. Christine is Christine ends up getting charged with the murder of her son. No fucking way. No way. Oh, because it's this guy's idea. Yeah.
1: He's, he's the, the
2: Lambert. I was going to say the king of police. <laughs> he's the French king of police. He is the king. So the king of police, Lambert. <laughs> charges christine with her, this murder of her son Fuck. based on this evidence places her in a pre-trial detention in july of 1985. in protest she goes on a fucking 11-day hunger strike and is released and it isn't until sorry that works i guess she's pregnant Remember? oh no yeah so she's released and it isn't until but they also i think didn't have any inf- like anything to hold her on right uh, cut to 1993. It is until 1993 when the case is taken over by another investigating judge. Finally, someone who's hopefully over 50, Maurice <laughs> Simon. For real, that she's cleared. So between 1985 and 1993, people are speculating whether or not it's her Ugh. constantly and he and maurice simon is like does some fucking you know judgy magic thing sprinkle something on her that's like she's never allowed to be fucking tried for this again like oh good makes it so she can never be brought up as a suspect again yeah just pretty amazing that's okay. like isn't that double jeopardy no because she had never been brought to trial oh oh but the, he was just saying like this is now put to rest yeah you and can't you bring dare. her up as a fucking suspect again yeah seems pretty decent. Yeah. The mother of the dead child. Right. Yeah. And like photos of her man, like at this time, are heartbreaking. There's a lot of photos going on and it's so 80s and so sad. Okay. And then in 2000, the year 2000, you've heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) The case is reopened when Christine's family demands that DNA tests are carried out on the fucking stamps that are in the fucking (gasps) letters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately... There's, and there's hundreds of these letters. Uh, three separate traces of DNA are found, but none of them are identified. What? Like, for some reason, none of these fucking... Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Not much happens until this past June of 2017. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So we're both fucking... We're, we're all about 2017. We're currenting this, this fucking episode. I love it. So in June, 32 years after Gregory's murder, 32 years... Oh. No one has been taken into custody for the murder since 1985, when his mother was fucking taken into custody. So no one has even been a suspect. Uh, Three people in connection with the case are taken into custody. Whoa. Okay, ready for this? Yes. So, okay, the aunt and uncle of Jean Marie Gregory's father and Bernard, the dead cousin. Jacqueline Jacob she's 72 and her husband Marcel is 71 are arrested no fucking this way fucking old people And they were like in their 40s at the time 30 yeah 80s 90s 30, yeah 40s Okay, so okay it's so con- fucking confusing so Marcel Jacob the, the, the husband the dude is one of the younger brothers of okay it's basically Jean-Marie's dad married Marcel's sister Okay. It's Gregory's great aunt and uncle. Got it. Okay. Um they're charged with kidnapping and confinement, but not the murder, saying they were responsible for the murder of Gregory since he would not have died unless he had first been kidnapped. So they think fucking this chick Jacqueline, who's now 72, was the fucking mastermind of this whole entire thing and made Bernard uh made Was the the letter writer and the woman. It sounds like a woman. She's the raven. Yeah, she's the raven. But they're all involved and all hate this family. And the day of, Bernard actually did the murder, but she was like the distraction and the mastermind.
1: Whoa. This is like the second season of Fargo. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's totally like Fargo. It
1: really is. Because also, it's just that like, what for? What are you doing? Like, what is this
2: plan? Totally, and why the kid? Yeah, it's such a ugh, sick. It's like to hurt as much as possible. Also questioned are Albert and Monique Villman, the parental grandparents of Gregory, eighty-six and eighty-five years old. So Gregory's fucking grandparents on his father's side, on John Michel's side, are questioned as well. Okay, like everyone hated John uh, Marie and were in on this. Even his own parents? They're, I mean, they're questioned. Wow. So the charges against the great aunt and uncle uh, follow a modern handwriting and li- modern, thank God, handwriting and linguistic analysis of some two thousand letters of the Whoa. Raven letters, and voice recordings that lead police to conclude that the authors are a man and a woman. Okay. Um, more than a hundred witnesses are also interviewed. Some twelve thousand pieces of evidence run through an advanced artificial intelligence program called AnaCrime which sounds fucking so cool, that locates potential suspects at given moments and uncovers inconsistencies in statements and alibis. How? I think it's basically like this person says, I was there, and this person said you were, like, it's, and the pings are from here, and puts them all together, and it's like, (sighs) whatever they're saying isn't true. There's no way they could have been there. Because it's basically based on, like, how we're digitally and kind of in some way recorded at all times. I don't even think that at that point. I think it's just based on statements. Who said you were here? Who said you were there? You said you were here oh that makes sense because they're they're talking to so many people right so they put them all together and they're like this person wasn't where they said they were based on everyone's testimony and the scary part the scariest part about
1: anacrime is that they're also those robots that can open doors now (gasps) did you
2: see that video today yes there's that bothered me so much it bothered me all day long i didn't i didn't watch more than him walking because it looked like a spider.
1: It looks like a spider and then there was a part where it turns before it opens the door with a creepy long vacuum cleaner tube. No. And it does this like click click where it moves really fast to one side and it's so unnatural. Like it looks very animal like Mm -hmm. and then it goes
2: click click and you're like oh what are we I don't even know what this is. It's like we want the end days to come. Yeah we're forcing it quick. Yeah it's like we're begging it and creating the end days. Yeah. It's like
1: some some really smart guy that loves robots and computers yeah. also watched the Terminator too many times. And he's like, we gotta make this happen, guys. But he
2: never saw the beginning of the Terminator, like the first scene in the boardroom. Right. And he's like, this <laughs> all looks great! And he didn't
1: watch the romantic parts, because I argue that the Terminator, the first one, is one of the most romantic
2: movies of all time. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah. God, and he goes to see his wife and sees her gardening. Is that the right movie? I think Yes. When he goes and he walks by before yeah. he knows it, like
1: he's he gone. He sees
2: something and he's like that. Yeah.
1: Also, just you got to love a guy that keeps
2: a picture with him of the girl that he loves. Can I just tell you that term? I, won't, I don't know what year it came out in, but it was way too early for me to watch it. And that scene in the boardroom in the beginning when the terminator just kills everyone. Mm-hmm. It was so traumatic for me. I bet.
1: Yeah. No, that's. It's ter. It's it's, it's this horrifying, amazing
2: movie. It's so good though.
1: Can I tell you a quick? Can Always. I just do a quick sidebar of Valentine's Day? Always Valentine's Day. That just reminded me. The picture thing just reminded me. We have family friends named the Mulkeens. Mm-hmm. Is my, one of my dad's best friends is Kevin Gary, and his sister Marilyn Mulkeen is the woman. Remember that high school picture I showed you, where I'm leaning against a ladder, and yeah. I have the, almost
2: a unibrow. Always, where uh, you look like one of Kelly Bundy's best friends. <laughs> you look like Kelly Bundy's like. Why Kelly Bundy got into trouble. That's right. I'm her smoking friend.
1: Yes. Um, so Marilyn Mulkeen was and also, cause it's so small town, she also lived next door to my best friend, Christine Gooden. So she took Christine's senior portrait. She took mine. She took everybody. She was like a really great photographer. Mm-hmm. And when we were, I can't remember where we were one time. She told me the story of how her and her husband, Tom, like got, got together. They were it like childhood he was friends with her with Kevin and with their the boys in their in the Gary family mm-hmm. they were all on vacation at the Russian River i think the boys were like 14 or 13 and <gasps> she was me, like man. 11 or 12 oh and i tell the story because marilyn died in <gasps> um, november of cancer oh. and it makes me super sad cuz i hadn't seen her in a long time and she's truly one of the coolest she was like one of those cool people yeah. of your parents friends we we're like oh i want to talk to her she's for like, five I'm gonna hours. tell you how it is because no one else is. Yes. Like she really was a legit rad lady. Mm-hmm. And I'm very sad that she's I'm passed so sorry. away. Um but uh but I still have this story, and I love it so much. So she is a twelve-year-old girl is watching these boys play and roughhouse, and they all they they all grab Tom, and um, who is like you know her older brother's cute friend, mm-hmm. and they're about to throw him into the Russian River, and so he pulls his wallet out of his back pocket and he tosses it to Marilyn. He goes, "Hold that for me," as they throw him into the water, and she catches it, and it falls open in her hands, and he has a picture of her in mm-hmm. his wallet. And they were married for 51 years. Oh, yeah. And that is my favorite. That's just a little sidebar Valentine's Day story. It's it my favorite love story of like, when you are a 12 year old girl and they're like a boy, the no. idea that a boy would have your school picture in his uh, wallet, like you're the
2: girl I like love. And then it actually, they actually end up married. The crush, the crush you have at 12 years old oh. will never, it just never it? It, it never burns that bright never again because it's so innocent
1: Ugh. and it's also so like idealistic like you you know it's like when you're 12 you don't pick bad boys you pick like yeah it's like oh he's nice or like he said something nice to me or right. something or he has freckles or some stupid some dumb shit or he's just in the living room
2: sometimes <laughs> it's that but I love anyway he's not mean to me like my brother
1: oh God. that's my
2: favorite valentine story that's and I just sidebarred you so hard sorry but that was beautiful okay good good I love it. Let's get back to this little boy <laughs> being murdered. Ugh. Okay, the Jacobs alibi. So it, the Anna crimes like beep boop bop. I'm a machine. Yeah. And it, and the the old folks, the Jacobs alibi are quote unconfirmed and unsubstantiated. Oh. So Anna crime is like hell fucking no. Ooh. You lying we fucking liars. We need Anna crime. Anna crime. When you're in your 40s, you're fucking lying. Also arrested is fucking Muriel. Bowl remember her the fucking Little 15-year-old? redhead 15 year old uh. She's arrested at this point for complicity in murder and non-report of a crime So They're like you knew more than you were saying At the time yeah and we're finally getting Down to cases however So she goes on a hunger strike again For a few days Whatever a month after They're arrested Let's go back remember, remember Jean-Michel Lambert the 30 Whatever the fuck year old Investigator who got taken off of the case. Yes. In July of 2017, just a few months ago, he's 65 years old. He's found dead in his apartment (gasps) from suicide. What? A plastic bag over his head. By 1987, uh, he had been replaced by Maurice, as we said. And Maurice wrote at the time in his personal notebooks that. Uh, Lambert had an intellectual disorder and he said, I am in the midst of a miscarriage of justice and all its horror Oh, um, about the accusations against Gregory's mother. Uh, in his suicide note, Lambert proclaims his certainty about the innocence of Bernard, but he says he no longer has the strength to fight. So at this point, he still thinks that, I don't know, the mother is responsible or whatever the whatever who whatever he thinks that Bernard is not uh, not guilty. guilty, right? He can't let go of his own first instinctual right. theory, right? Yeah. Uh, we also learned several other letters have been sent since the restart of the investigation in June. A prosecutor has been threatened with uh, death. By The Raven. What? So the Raven's back. Letters are still being fucking written. Holy shit. By 2014, nearly 3,000 press articles, about 50, uh, you know, papers, a TV movie, and 15 books have been, have been made about this case, and it's still ongoing. <sighs> and so we will update you when we find out But that is the case of Le Petit... The Affair of the Petite Gregory. Oh, the Case of Little Gregory. That is so heavy. How have we never heard of that? I've never heard any of that. I must have seen it late night in one of those listy things that you've never heard of and saw this photo of this sweet little boy with this... He's so French and cute and sweet and messy little hair and... Mm-hmm. Horrible. It's just awful. Well, and also
1: just that it sounds like things are so bad, so entrenched that people have just went insane. Like they were surrounded by their family and their competition and
2: their small town bullshit. Well, it's like, you look at this story and you're like, how could this have happened? And then this happened and it's so insane. And then you're like, well, the same thing happened with Jean Benet and I'm still fucking casting aspersions and being like, it was the brother of or it was this or it was that. And then the mom dies of cancer and I'm still like, maybe she had something to do with it. Her letter, the letter looked like her handwriting and we're we're doing the exact same thing. Because you want some fucking clarity. You just want someone to step forward and go
1: yes all this other shit has happened it's yeah. just same with Jack the Ripper but you just want someone to come and go we finally have the one we have who did here's it here's the answer the answer clean clear you know not involving 17 relatives or whatever yeah. just like
2: who fucking whose plan was this and who did it well I, I think and fucking French people please let me know what everyone thinks because I have no way of knowing if everyone's like no what are you talking about everyone knew this person wasn't involved right that I'm saying is guilty I have no way. You know, I can't give my opinion because I can't fucking understand any of the fucking <laughs> <laughs> videos. I, I don't understand half of what's going half on. Half of it. Like, literally, there's like five articles in English and like two videos that you can put subtitles on. Bonjour, Français. Yeah. Uh, uh, but faster. Uh, but at a speed of a
1: hundred. Of asking... At the speed of 100, they're all like <laughs> I don't understand any of it, but I want to know. I know. So well, that would be amazing if people actually have the like insider scoop. Here's what we
2: think. Yeah, I or, think what everyone thinks is that the that this great aunt and uncle, the great aunt especially, is like the devious fucking matriarch of the family who planned the whole thing, including alibis, and Bernard did it. Fuck. Your own family? It's just dark. I mean, uh, yeah. I think it's just like this anger, jealousy situation. Oh, are you ending this with showing me those bowling (laughs) socks again? (laughs) Because everything is sad and awful, and that's the only light we have in our lives? What if I hold up a bowling sock
1: every time things go so so dark into the human existence of... That's all
2: I want is a bowling sock. Steven, look at it. Steven, look at the bowling sock. Don't get... Steven
1: was really bent over... He's really bent over just now, Horrified. feeling those French feelings, <laughs> and then we just have to remember these bowling socks. French feelings
2: are stronger than regular feelings. Oh. God damn, that's awful. I know. Okay, so we're gonna end this differently right now, right? You and I were talking about how I just don't want to keep fucking. We end the episode with thing that makes us happy, and yes. I'm just gonna keep saying my cats or that my back doesn't hurt, <laughs> and I'm fucking sick of myself. <laughs> right so like we're gonna save this for like what were we gonna either read a thing or well i brought a thing i have a thing okay great i tried to
1: actually do something
2: great and i have a recommendation that made that makes me really happy so like after this episode go watch this thing i'm going to tell you about because this is the worst so great Perfect. So this is all new. We're giving it a shot. <laughs> it's
1: basically we take the beginning and we're putting it at the end. Yeah. Because we decided we front loaded. We front load everything with all everything we love and are excited about. And then we drain ourselves with horror. Yeah. And then it's like, what are you like? Well, my and then we're cats... staring at each other going, what? Why haven't you gone to the movies? You
2: don't, you guys don't, don't know that half the time at the end when we have to say a thing we're happy about, we have to make Steven cut out <laughs> 10 minutes of us going, um, I don't know, suitcase, I don't know, because it's just so depressing. It's depressing, but also...
1: I think that we are afraid to overly plan. We just want to have this be the most natural conversation possible. I don't like the planning, planning of like anytime I come with something in my pocket, it feels fake and clunky. Yeah. So I always think like when we get there, something is going to pop into my head that makes you know what I love, and then but then
2: you're like, I love hash browns. You're like, I just talked about a dead kid. Yes. This feels terrible. It's not enough. It's never enough. No. This is why Elvis meows at the end of every episode. Yeah. It's because when we did an episode once and we were like, how do we end this? I was like, oh shit, let's do, like, let's have Elvis meow. Yes. Let's just start talking about something else entirely. Let's have something. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. Mine is, do you want me to go first? Sure. It's not that great. Do it. It's just a good thing that I like. Great. Same with mine. And fluffy. Okay. Uh, There's this Netflix show, movie. It's a Netflix movie. It's a horror comedy about vampire roommates. (laughs) called What We Do in the Shadows. Yes, girl. Do you know it? Yes. Oh, it's the greatest. It is it's so good. I have had the hardest time not talking to you about it. <laughs> it's Jermaine from fucking Flight of the Concord. Jemaine Clement. And is it Taiki Watiki? I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. I panic when I oh, see Stephen it. Oh, Stephen knows. Taiko Watiti. Taiko Watiti. Look at, oh, at Steven. You're hired again. At a lower uh, rate. At a lower rate. It is so... Perfect. Amazing. It's basically just like, oh my, it's perfection. Reese Darby has a, a hilarious We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Yes. Like the, he
1: it's just so good. I want to cry. Reese Darby, I, I actually one day was sitting staring at my TV like I cannot look at one more true crime anything. Yeah. Like I really hit a wall. And then I went uh randomly my DVR recorded um flight of the concords uh-huh. which is almost uh, never rerun and like all you need to do is binge watch flight of the concords and you'll be happy i went straight to itunes and bought both seasons it's or four seasons so, yeah. whatever it is yeah because i was like oh wait a second Why i could I... watch this over and over for the rest of my life and be happy it's the best show ever i'm the hip opotamus. my, my lyrics rhymes are bottomless and then nothing <laughs> it's the best there's nothing better there's
2: nothing maybe he did maybe he did what He maybe did. (laughs) He maybe did what?
1: He maybe did. (laughs) He maybe did. He maybe did. Also, those posters behind Reese Darby in the New Zealand um, (laughs) office, ambassador's (laughs) office, are the best.
2: It's perfection. It's New Zealand. What we do in the shadows is an an extension of that. Yes. And I think they're going to bring it to this place we call America and remake it here. Yes. But it's going to be Jermaine and... Taiki. Taika. Taika, who's so cute. The other thing is, I want to live in there because they're all hot. They're so hot. They're all all the vampires except for the, the really old one. Please go watch it. It's the best <laughs> show you movie you've ever seen in
1: your fucking life. Yeah, if you haven't, it's so goddamn delightful. Okay, so that made me really
2: fucking happy. I'm Amazing. gonna watch it over and over again.
1: I okay. told you the time I got to meet the flight of the concords i opened no. for them <gasps> when i very first started stand-up again after i hadn't done it for five years yeah. one of my very first sets <gasps> was opening for the flight of the concords in denver
2: while and they were like in the in their like the shit the, uh, the it was the height
1: there i think <sighs> the show was still on yeah i think it was like maybe their last And season. they were like touring and shit i ate it in a way <laughs> were, that you, was, were you doing music what were you doing music no 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 i was trying to put a comedy set back together (laughs) Um, and one of the main problems was that the microphone was the mic cord was twisted around the mic stand probably 150 times (laughs) like there was no way i was getting the mic off the mic stand so i had to stand there like Stephen Wright and deliver not set up punch jokes (sighs) like conversational shit it was awful I got a terrible review in one of their like local weekly papers <gasps> where they said it should it should have been Kristen Scholl. <laughs> oh. Because she's on the show and she's yeah, a Denver yeah. Like, she? local. Yeah, uh-huh. It was a horror show, but all that That's aside... That's horrible. Kristen Scholl, love you. That's horrible. It, it, look, I did it because I wanted to be around those guys and meet them. No, and, you, there's no reason why you shouldn't have done it. But, except for that I didn't have an act. But... They were so lovely, and Jermaine Clement, like, in in my opinion, we don't have to go on and on about this, and we certainly don't have to debate it. But (laughs) Jermaine's hotter than. Is that what you are going to say? I think Brett McKenzie is the hottest technically. Yes, but
2: then. But we like a big guy.
1: Well, also, when Jermaine Clement walks towards you to say hello, thank you for opening the show for us. A wind kicks up Ugh. indoors, and his hair blew back. There was a thing that happened where I was standing there, like, "What in the living fuck is coming toward me right now?" I was.
2: He's weak a vampire. In the knees. Also, like, he's, he's a, a monster. You've seen his David Bowie impressions. Yes. You'll just never. There's nobody ever. It's L- listen, Vince look. doesn't listen to this podcast, look and listen. My <laughs> husband does not listen to this podcast, so it's fine. So let her fly. And there was we Vince and I were watching it together and I kept wanting to go I kept almost saying Because the guy that they turn into, I yes, that guy's amazing. They're so hot. I couldn't do that. (laughs) It's weird too. It's weird as American
1: girls, I think, to see hot guys that are acting like sweet and innocent. It's such a strange, uh, not of my era anyway, combination. And
2: then they had like,
1: uh, I'm just gonna keep talking about. They
2: had like they had um, special effects that it was this low budget movie, and then these insane special vampire effects. Yes. I'm going to watch it tonight again. They just did it perfectly. It was like a realistic docu-series almost, but oh, I know it's so perfect. It's called, I wrote down, The People Who Eat Darkness. That's not (laughs) it. That is actually a really good book about a Japanese serial killer. Go listen to that, but it's actually called What We Do in the Shadows. That's right. A different thing. Yes. But similar. Okay.
1: Well, my thing is, I love it. Now that's my thing, too. That's great. I'm support. I see lotion in your hands. Well, because we were given. Oh, yeah. When we went to, I believe this was in either Atlanta or Nashville. Uh So this was a couple trips ago. So I'm sorry that I don't, (laughs) as I I always say, someone pointed out to me on Twitter that I'm always like, sorry, I don't remember your name. Sorry, I don't, whatever. (laughs) It was Kim. But um, I'm trying to look on here because I bet you it'll tell me Nashville, Tennessee. Great. We were given a little gift bag Mm -hmm. from some people, and I lost the fucking card. Yeah, but it's from a company called Love Heals Thistle Farms. Oh yeah! And so this is a company that's in Nashville, Tennessee, where they make hand lotions and soaps and all this stuff. It's I think it's there. A lot of it is lip balm. Lip. We got lip balm, hand lotion. This amazing, like I can't stop using it. Body butter.
2: Okay, but everyone listen because there's a there's a thing, and you and. I started crying when we read that. Like literally crying in the greener room when we saw this. All of the products from Love heals Thistle Farms
1: are made by women survivors. So these are women who um these are women who get these jobs because they have been either
2: they just get out of jail or they were they are had to leave their homes because of domestic violence issues, so they're going to live at this place. Yeah, and they get this career and they get a job and they get and they make these amazing beautiful products.
1: My hands are always dry there. I have a ritual before every show I put (laughs) on hand lotion and if I don't do it I get I get a little bit weirded out. Oh every once in a while and a mint in your mouth a mint in my mouth a mint in the mouth and a lotion on your (laughs) hand hand lotion. This is my new hand lotion. It's the best because it's not greasy and it and it's it's curing all of my super dry cuticles. Dude, It's amazing. I'm stealing. it. So it's actually an amazing amazing product that like smells good and really really works and also when you buy it you are supporting these people who are trying to get out of a bad situation who don't and just want to go yeah like
2: they're yeah they, yep. they feel like they have a purpose yeah god that's beautiful and it's they're making they're making a product that could be in fucking sephora i like i like this so much better than the fact that mimi who's sitting right here truly does make me happy, but yeah. I don't need to repeat that every fucking episode. <laughs> Look, sometimes it's <laughs> Listen, hard. <laughs> Look. That's hard. I love that. Yeah. Okay, let's do that from now on. That's a good one. Well, also, we get so
1: many, and you guys, we talk when we meet you and you get yeah. them to us, we talk to you about it. But we are inundated with amazing, beautiful gifts. Incredible. Thoughtful, hilarious, brilliant creative artistic like, it's so fun and delicious it's, it's hard to we're also traveling yeah. so then we're shoving stuff in our bag like i was i looked around my house because i had actually the card that were that described in yeah. detail about everything gets farms. Mis- uh, yeah it's- i'm just a sloppy mess so <laughs> i'm like i finally grabbed up this thing where i'm like well at least this is in my purse and yeah. i have this
2: information Yeah, we're so lucky people have been so kind to us and we're so fucking lucky yeah thank you guys yeah
1: and so be kind to these people um we will post i will find that thing and then we'll have steven post the thistle farms because it truly aside from anything else it's a
2: great product we should have a okay we'll talk about it later uh (laughs) make some plans on the show we should make some plans um that i love that this is so much better yeah okay
1: great yeah yeah it just takes five minutes of thinking. That's all we need to do. That's so exhausting. We're going to get there someday. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should make a podcast about it. <laughs> we should we should hire a team of secretaries.
2: Uh, <sighs> um no
1: offense, Stephen,
2: but thank you all f- <laughs> for listening. Yes. You guys are fucking angels. Thanks for being here. In the outfield and <laughs> in the infield, and we appreciate it. You guys
1: are like ghost baseball players in a cornfield. We built it. We look outside. And you came. Georgia write us. She said, we built it. She pushed her boobs together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we built it. I love grabbing my tits. Um, thank you, guys. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Bye. Elvis? Want a cookie? <laughs>